Hello and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I'm your co-host. And uh... <laughs> hi. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were doing. I'm Renaissance. I'm the other co-host. Yeah, we're we've synced up on our periods. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just coming off of mine. Yeah, and I started mine because Renaissance and I have been together for two weeks. Bro, it feels like months. Yes. <laughs> I think two weeks though. Yeah, so it's it's Leo season now that we're when we're recording and maybe when you're listening, who knows. But anyways, today we have a bunch of hot takes to get through because we're still getting through a lot of backlog stuff and we are very much looking forward to and also really wanting to hear y'all's hot takes that are fresh, hot, and recent. So please email mm-hmm. us more of them at the Lavender Menace podcast at gmail.com if you have any that you want us to discuss yes um what's happening on the scene on the ground but actually before we get into the listener submitted ones i feel like we should talk about um we should talk about the newest olivia rodrigo single (gasps) yeah because we did an episode like when Sour was released, mm-hmm. where we talked about the album and we ranked it and stuff. Renaissance didn't really fuck with the album, and I liked it. And uh, but you know, I remember if, if you listen <laughs> or viewer, if you're on Patreon, yes, do remember Renaissance did say that they were looking forward to her sophomore album more so than like what was happening in the. In the debut album, freshman right. album. That that beginner project. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how do you feel about Vampire? I like Vampire. Yeah. I, my, yes, I like it. There's the commitment to the allegory mm-hmm. and the metaphor for throughout all of the lyrics. Yeah. I think is fun and fresh and reminds me of lyrics that I like of other times and so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that she went that route rather than just like autobiographical or or diarist in a way. I I think there's a lot of emotion and potential like vulnerability probably if you follow her personal career. I don't know. (laughs) Right. I don't like yeah I don't yeah I don't know about her personal life so it's possible that this like really shaking the table in terms of other things but I just yeah I really enjoyed the song. I, I think there's there's something to it. There's a perspective to it that I think is different and more fleshed out than her first album, and I also really like the sound of it, the production. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she's not trying to chase another driver's license. I think mm-hmm. that that would be a very dangerous a path. A dangerous path. <laughs> I think driver's license is what it is and was what it was, and beautiful, mm-hmm. good for her. I'm glad that, like, if the rest of the album kind of complements or goes along with Vampire, like, if that's kind of the arena that she's gonna play with then i am looking for i'm sticking to my word guys hello i'm 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 fair and true in in my opinion and in my prediction so i really liked it what it as someone who was a fan from the beginning Mm -hmm. now hearing this single in prep for her second album how do you feel about it? yeah i fuck with it i mean i i like it and i'm looking forward to hear this upcoming project it's Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I'm not counting down the days or anything. Like, I'll listen to it when I listen to it. Probably when it drops, but... And we'll, pro- we'll probably talk about it on the podcast, of course. It's uh, like, clean plate, mid. No, I'm <laughs> Literally. Like, I'm not counting down the days. Calendar post notes in the back, like... Fork is broken. Yeah, like, fork is broken. No, I mean, I, I, I liked Vampire. I think it... It, it, there, there is something that feels both familiar and new with it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's. I, I'm glad she's not doing the pop punk thing again. In I thought, I thought Vampire was a little bit pop punky ish. No, like it's kind not. Of. It's, it's not a ballad. Full, it is ballady, but hold on. Okay, no, okay. see, she went to the Taylor Swift school of bridges. No, she really. And okay, so this is this is. Now that now that I've refreshed, it's like a mix of her pop punk and her balladness mm-hmm. because it's more up tempo than like driver's license, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have like exactly like electric guitariness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it like she needs to live here, you know, <laughs> well, because like her vocals are so good. Yes, and you can really hear the emotions yes. of her vocals. Like she's yes. a. She's a performer in that way. She's really living out this... She's a storyteller and a performer mm-hmm. in that way. And I think, like, that's why... I, well, mm. in the videos of her performing, she's, like, young, young. Yeah, like, yeah, school yeah. performances and stuff. She kind of reminded me of, like, the young videos of Britney Spears, where it's, like, mm-hmm. a very full, almost, like, adult voice coming out mm-hmm. of, like, this tiny girl singer. <laughs> which is, like, yeah. so adorable. Yeah. Which sounds a bit different than when she was, like, doing, like, pop pop Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. and there is a disconnect there whereas I think this just reminds me more of her like before she was even famous yeah right yeah no it fully flushes out and Mm -hmm. like plays to her strengths mm -hmm. I think takes her to this potential Mm -hmm. that isn't that doesn't lean into like the speaking Almost mm-hmm. speak singing yes, that yes. Uh, that like contemporary girl pop kind of has to lean into in some yeah. way in terms of the storytelling element with which is what makes it so strong and resonate mm-hmm. with so many people. This resonates with a lot of people and like is really like strong as a song, but it's also like vocally and performance wise and storytelling it. And I also something I noticed was like when first listening to it, the the rhyme scheme isn't what you expect like it's mm-hmm. not it, it isn't what you think it would be it doesn't follow i was like hmm what are the words she's ending these sentences with i don't it's i don't really fun. know yeah it's yeah engaging. I, I, it's, it's it doesn't feel flavorful <laughs> it's like the writing is just like i think it's just it's there in a way it's mm-hmm. a, it's fun it's fresh it's original there's something yeah no i also and, like girls can't read like mary wollstonecraft <laughs> like mary i you know fucking frankenstein it's mary wollstonecraft right? it is right yeah. okay no who am i thinking who's the i'm mixing up two different authors name it is wollstonecraft. no wollstonecraft her daughter mary wollstonecraft wrote, and then her daughter, daughter. wrote frankenstein because mary wollstonecraft was yeah. the feminist of course yes and then well, yes her of kid was the one who like got challenged by the mm-hmm. by Lord Byron and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. uh <laughs> the thing is is that I think also the fact that this single is overtaking the fucking Morgan Wallen song. Thank you, Lo- Lord of Jesus. Like we Thank needed you. this so bad. Are Amen. you kidding me? And his Are glory. Are you fucking kidding me? How is 
How is Morgan Wallen? Like, I don't even know who, who that is, is that? to be honest. You, you say his name, and I believe that he exists as fact. But the fact that he's don't been, like, on the Billboard, like, top one, hot 100, he's been, no, he's been charting number one for, like, many weeks straight. Who is this person? Who's a listen? I haven't heard a single person talk about him. Well, maybe this is just because we're girls. You know what I mean? Like, maybe... <laughs> maybe, but do men listen to me? I don't think men should be allowed to listen to me. <laughs> so, if it's not the girls who are listening, what is... <laughs> who, who's keeping up his who, numbers? This is not a real person. Right? 26 million monthly streamers. I named 26 million people who are listening to him. There aren't. <laughs> if you ask 26 million people, they don't know who he is. I don't, I don't believe you. The numbers are lying. You guys are hi- hiding. You guys are lying. You guys are lying liars. Because how, how have I not had a single conversation outside of you bringing him up that he is charting? Never heard of him. Yet somehow 26 million people are listening to him. I don't people listening. People. I don't. That's got to be 26 million Bass Pro Shop. Or something like, at the same time. like there's no way. No, it's just we need to make a moratorium on men making men music, making film, art, writing, what breathing. That, that doesn't make any sense. Existing in public. I don't believe in that. I. Anyway. So yeah. But um, we fuck with Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do does Swifty still think she's beefing with her? What is that? I would that's, know. That's a, that's a B plot of like of a C plot of, C of, plot of the Swifty fandom that I, I don't, just don't I can't follow. even begin to understand or comprehend. <laughs> like some people say that Taylor was petty for asking for writing credits on one of Olivia's songs, and that's the last thing I learned <laughs> or absorbed <laughs> about the beef. And I was like, a blonde woman being petty at the age of thirty, sure, <laughs> I believe it. And then and then I just kind of move because are they not professionals? Are they not working? Like, y'all do think like, women... Oh, they're not friends are anymore. Always she... beefing. Women are too emotional. Da, da, da. They're co-workers. <laughs> it was break room beef and they got over it. Like, Well, also because people are like, oh, they're not like hanging out and friends anymore. Like, you don't see them like posting each other anymore and whatnot. Who cares? They have lo- Are they supposed to spend 24-7 together all the time? Also, they have lives. And it's like, Olivia Rodrigo's obviously so... Has been so upfront about being a Taylor Swift fan. Mm-hmm. That, of course... I feel like it's just, you can't, it, it's annoying because your Swifties are like, wow, Olivia Rodrigo is like trying to copy her so bad. But it's like, what? Okay, but, and Taylor Swift is trying to copy Shania Twain. Like, <laughs> and so the cycle of life continues. Like, oh, what? Taylor Swift has now been a major figure in the music industry for, like, going on two decades Her now. whole point is, like, she's said, I want to inspire. Every time How I talk is someone to supposed new... to be a mother if they don't have children? I'm going to call Taylor Swift's mother, but be mad when she has children. Do you he- listen to yourself. Do you listen. hear <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo's copying Taylor. Do you want Taylor to be influential or not? Right. Is she supposed is she to mother? Up- or not? Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't get, like, how are you mad? Yeah, if you do the math, subtract Olivia's age from Taylor's age, look at the numbers, crunch the impact. Like, That's a teen mother. <laughs> like, I don't know. You Taylor just, Swift was teen mothering with debut, fearless, speak now, and here we have Olivia Rodrigo. Everyone wins. What is the beef? 
Exactly. Like, why are you on the internet who's gonna stream... If you're a pop music streamer and you quote-unquote support women support women, okay, Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. I don't understand what the issue is. I also think because of the supposed, like, Sabrina Olivia beef or whatever, which is like... About the boy? I don't even know his name. That's why I just called him the boy. (laughs) Like, Is that what it is? This is what I mean. The The PR is so unserious because... This is fiction. Sorry. Uh, y'all made shit up in your heads. <laughs> Are y'all in these group chats? Are y'all on the email chat? Were y'all on the set of the TV show where this allegedly happened? Was there hair pulling? Like, where? <laughs> Are there pap photos of, of Sabrina dragging Olivia through the streets? Her 5-1 body and platform heels? <laughs> against Olivia's converse? Is that the fight that happened? No, it's just because people are saying like, oh, because Sabrina is opening for Taylor on her international tour. It's like, oh, she's like taking sides. What? <laughs> Stand. People culture? are bored. It like y'all need so- hobbies. You need jobs. You need to get your resume, CVs in order. You need to be on Zoom interviews. <laughs> You need to be doing community service, starting a public garden, like... Read a fucking book. Read a book. These, look, This okay. cannot be taking up space in your mind. Listen to the music and move on. Go to the concerts and move on. Which, oh. I mean, might sound hypocritical from coming from two bitches with a podcast for two years. <laughs> and over 50 episodes just yakking our mouth. Like, what, we've had, like, two guests in 56 episodes? <laughs> Like, okay, maybe it's a little hypocritical for us to be like, and y'all care this much about pop culture? Like, you know our job. But still, like that? That's a little bit crazy, I think. No, 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 literally. I mean, the- it could be, it literally could be a schedule thing, and people will say that Taylor Swift is picking sides. Like, it could just be that, like, but Sabrina also- has music out now. Olivia's album isn't out right now. What was she supposed to also, open Also, Olivia with? is just her, she could go on an international tour herself and sell out stadiums. That's just the fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. Sabrina Carpenter is on tour right now, and she's, like, her her tour is pretty big, but mm-hmm. it's still, like, it's still, the size of the theaters and stuff that mm-hmm. she's selling, the way that the Sour tour was, I think they're probably about on, on par, yeah. except, like, because Olivia Rodrigo has won Grammys, mm-hmm. and Sabrina Carpenter is still more of, like, an up-and-coming pop artist, mm-hmm. obviously... So someone's an opener and someone is not and that doesn't have anything to do with who like who is liked more who kissed who under the what <laughs> under the bleachers like, like whether whether taylor um is beefing with one of them or not like guys can we be serious fucking the made up beef over like random te- like young girls who mm-hmm. is just very funny to me because i mean we've talked about this but like sabrina carpenter i like quite a few of her songs. Mm-hmm. I think people say that her, well, okay, but I think I've seen a lot of clips of her live performances as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a live performer and as like a vocalist, she's pretty strong, but she's like, she doesn't, mm, I don't know. Does she need to go to the Chapel Rose school <laughs> of, of vocal strengthening? Like, no, for, I think she does. And she doesn't, there's a, I think almost there's a lack of like energy kind of mm-hmm. that I've seen in videos going I feel the minimalist like... route what well, but Dua Lipa tried that and she got bullied beat and whipped into being a performer so maybe but the thing is is that Olivia Rodrigo when she's like on stage or mm-hmm. around fans she's like so like manic yeah she's so like ah because she went to the Taylor Swift school 
of interacting with her fans. <laughs> He's very sensitive. This is an East Coast institution. East Coast education. That's what this is. No, because... These are the Ivies. And, and, and Sabrina's more chill. Like, she's mm-hmm. just, like, more, like, low-key, it seems, in how she, like, just talks and interacts with people. But also... I Maybe just... she's going to the... She's enrolled at Lana Del Rey. <laughs> you. LDRU. <laughs> which, which is fine, because yeah. Taylor Swift is also... Alma oh, Mother. Exactly. Alma oh, Mother. Alongside. Yes. Lana, Lana Del, Del Rey. Like. So may- maybe because... <laughs> and that's it. Because Taylor is a Lana stan, so maybe Taylor's more attracted to, like, a Lana daughter. Right. Right? Guys, and see, you know what I mean? Like, See how when we lead with love, we can come <laughs> to a conclusion? See how when we respect women, it can still make sense? Oh my god. No, 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 no. It's so funny. Because... I've been also seeing tweets where people are like, Lana Del Rey is the least chart-obsessed artist or whatever, right? And it's like... Do we forget, will you still love me when I'm beautiful? <laughs> what do you think that was for? Who is that for? The, not the masses? <laughs> right. I got that summertime, summertime sadness. Yeah, summertime sadness was for <laughs> indie garage band listeners. Okay. No, it just makes me laugh because I also remember getting in like a Twitter fight with someone mm-hmm. like a year or two ago. Or not a fight, someone just like commented being like, I was like, no, you guys don't understand. Taylor Swift loves Lana Del Rey like a lot. And this was before mm-hmm. she ever announced her collab with her. She ever like talked about her on tour, anything. Mm-hmm. This was just because I had done my done my fucking reading and knew from Lover Era uh-huh. and various interviews and stuff, she mentioned how much she really admired Lana Del Rey and her songwriting. So I was like, yes, she's a Lana fan. And people were like, no, she's not. She's like, she doesn't mention her that much. And I'm like, no, like, she's really into her. And see how it's the truth. Because, because on tour, she was like, guys, you guys should really stream tunnels. Uh, did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean's Boulevard? Like, are you kidding me? Like, oh, but anyway, I, I think that, you know, when, and you need to calm down when she said, when she said. Yes. In the book of you need to calm down. In the book of lover. In the book of lover and you need to calm down when she Mm -hmm. said. In gospel, um, you need to calm down. Right. But you say it in a tweet, it's a cop out. And I'm just like, damn. It's It's 7 a.m. She said you're jobless. (laughs) She yeah. said, clock in. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like, she said, y'all aren't on a commute. How are y'all tweeting and driving? <laughs> she said, well, no, because there's the one line about, like, comparing uh, comparing women against each other. Pitting women mm-hmm. against each other. Because she's a feminist, remember? Yeah. She- <laughs> I, some, and sometimes I wish she would have been a lot better than revenge lyrics. Like, exactly. So... Anyways, but, okay. Updates on Olivia Rodrigo's stances for everyone wondering. <laughs> so everyone can not jump me. I got, that was when the album ranking jumping began. This was my sour ranking. And ever since then, y'all have been against me. <laughs> you're, you're the victim here. <laughs> I am. I'm the victim. I didn't even come for Olivia like that. Y'all came for me like that. Please, please, Tragic. please. <sighs> okay, so our... We have a couple of hot takes to go through. So our first one is from a listener named Isabella, whose email subject line says, Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. Bury your gaze. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. 
I love that lyric. <sighs> right. No, exactly. Customary disclaimer. Like your typical Renaissance fan, I will start... Oh, sorry. The fact that there's a typical Renaissance fan, <laughs> we are two 20-something-year-old lesbians. We love you dearly, but please. A typical Renaissance. Do not identify yourself as a Renaissance fan. Like you, you guys are fleshed out human beings. You guys are full individual people. Yeah. Please. Do you guys go around saying someone's Renaissance fan coded? Like is this is this, ver- is this verbiage that's being used on the streets that we don't know about? And please actually write in answering that question. If just a couple of you could email just to confirm. Respond in the Spotify Q and A section. Do y'all talk, do y'all use Renaissance verbiage <laughs> to describe other people? Thank you. Uh, I will start by introducing myself. My name is Isabella. I use they she pronouns, and I am an autistic, communist, gayler, conspiring lesbian. Well, yes. Hey, Renaissance and Sunny. This is a sort of bland hot take, but I had an epiphany the other day epiphany and i feel like the thesis of reputation or at least look what you made me do is fulfilling and then challenging the barrier gaze trip 1989 of course her first explicitly and at that point most implicitly queer album into the public she was thriving during that era her supposed happiness then faltered in the death of her reputation which tracks with the most harmful version of the barrier gaze trope where a character dies after a positive development concerning orientation. She publicly hung out with her little cadre of close female (laughs) friends and vocalized her thoughts on queer rights, only to disappear and metaphorically die soon after. Like the depraved homosexual, people (laughs) cast her as the villain and then killed her, I guess you could say. Were you laughing at depraved homosexual? Yeah, your your delivery of this is different than how I read it, so I'm I'm really giggling. (laughs) What do you mean my delivery is is different? No, you're really going theatrical, but I think it calls for it. I think this is good. (laughs) Oh, people cast her as a villain and then killed her, I guess you could say. Some other tidbits. The idea of the depraved homosexual originated from the Hayes Code, which Taylor has alluded to before. This trope has, and still is, a way for gay authors to write about gay characters without coming under public scrutiny. Taylor was a zombie in the Look What You Made Me Do music video, and the Barrier Gays trope is especially popular in dystopian and horror pieces of media like The Walking Dead. Plus, so much of the album is villainive coded so <laughs> there is that too. But she had seen this film countless times before, and shocker, she didn't like the ending. So this is where the defiance of the Barrier Gays trope comes in. She rose from the dead and made one of the gayest albums of her career, filling it to the brim with queer joy. That is my very shit surface level analysis, but to my credit, I wrote this in the middle of the night, very Taylor Swift coded. I hope I didn't annoy you guys with my rambling, and that you don't think I'm an idiot who has analyzed nothing in no. their life. I scoured the internet for people talking about this theory or something similar, but failed. So either I'm a genius, or as Hitler say... When I'm in their comment section, quote, quote, unquote, unhinged. Thanks. I love the podcast. Thank you so much, Isabella. This is, this is the, your, like, anxiety of this is the opposite of my reaction. I think it's absolutely <laughs> genius. No, and you're I correct. Agree. That's Very true. Correct. And that's real as fuck. I love the, the parallels that Isabella has pulled with exactly. the albums and the narratives. Just the direct. It's actually quite genius. And... I think you've tapped into something, Isabella, if I may be so bold to address you directly, that Taylor Swift is really good for is I think her most profound moves are the clearest and most simple when there are those one-to-ones. I think people now assume this convolutedness about yes. her. They assume Easter that, eggs and yes. little secrets and they, whatever. Like, now the default assumption is that everything is seven Hidden. layers deep. Which I think is actually now the surface level and reading. Now, yes, yes. I think... When you can go, when you can go there, when you can just be like, 
this is this, that, that, mm-hmm. that, that. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's perfectly a, aligned. Right, right. And it makes sense narratively, thematically, yes. and, you know, mixed with the real life stuff. Uh-huh. I think that's really where the juice is. <laughs> I think that's really where the prime meat is it's just, of analysis. If it's just there, it's there. If it's just... It, it really is because if she didn't want it it wouldn't be there right um and you know i i feel like that's sort of how the narrative of taylor swift like the narrative Mm -hmm. of her life and then and the arc of her career is Mm -hmm. so fundamentally intertwined with her work Mm -hmm. and of course her work is a reflection of of that and the way that you know honey i rose up from the dead i do it all the time Mm -hmm. like and that being the, like, you tried to hide me or mm-hmm. bury me for being who I am, for saying what I wanted to say, for doing, for for just existing, mm-hmm. really, is the crux of it, it within As this a narrative. gay person. Right. As, like, like, that's the thing, is, like, she's getting, if she's getting punished for existing, and we don't acknowledge the gayness, it's like, <laughs> what is, why is a tall, white, blonde <laughs> Being punished by the people closest to her for just existing. Yeah. If all she's ever been is, like, sweet and nice mm-hmm. and productive. <laughs> right. What is something that is arbitrary and out of her control that she could be punished so relentlessly for? Being gay. Like, and in a very real way, to, like, expand on this, just the clear closet imagery that she uses, and, like, even in the newest music video... Of, like, her in a vault and being mm-hmm. taken out. And the, mm-hmm. like, Freeing almost museum her. with, like, yeah. the glass closets of all the different yes. outfits across her career. Yes. And, of course, the obvious eras moment, concert moment, plays into this glass closet, mm-hmm. like, queer-coded character mm-hmm. that's not actually out. Like, we can... Yeah. So, I think, like, that adds to this kind of, like, haze code imagery illusions yeah. that Taylor Swift plays with a lot. Yeah. She, she's, she's a genius. She's a genius. <laughs> and she's evil. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's cool. an evil genius. <laughs> like, she's so, so evil. So our next email, subject line, separating work life versus personal life. Hey, lols, IDK, if you guys answer these types of emails, but this isn't like a hot take or anything, but more of me wanting to know your opinion slash perspective on a certain situation. So for context, I work at a takeaway slash restaurant where I'm constantly taking down people's orders over the phone, everything's fast-paced, and I'm only there for six to eight hours a week since I'm only scheduled for two shifts and they're both afternoon night shifts. Over the past eight months of me working there, I've compartmentalized my work life and my personal life, and I really do not want those two lives to mix. I don't want my coworkers knowing shit about my personal life, and I do not want anyone in my personal circles starting to start hanging out at my workplace. I want them very separated from each other. Because of the type of work I'm in, I've never felt inclined to open up or start being best friends with anyone at work. I'm just there to do my job and clock out. Once I get home, I literally erase any memory of me working and just decompress. Not that I'm being completely complete cunts to my coworkers, but the idea of having work friends has always bothered me and every time I think about it I always feel like a bitch and feel like one of those I don't owe anything to any of my friends type people if that makes sense. Like my reasoning for I guess having an ick with being besties with people at work is one if I'm not even going to be working with them on the same shift 
or if we do, it's only with one shift. I just do not see how I'll even have the time to develop a bond with them, you know? Like, I'll be too busy working to even get to sit down and have a conversation. Two, I'm the type where it takes a very long time for me to warm up and start being vulnerable with people. I'm just not the type where I'm an open book to the person who only started working here like two weeks ago. And I don't know if I sound like a weirdo, but building a friendship where the only thing we have in common is that we work together just seems shallow to me. Like, cool, we work at the same place, but there's nothing to go off from off from that. And I literally only see you like once slash twice a week. What am I supposed to do with that? And three, the coworkers I work with in particular always ask me to cover their shifts. Sometimes there will be a time where I'll be covering for two people on the same fucking week and I don't even get to decompress because my body is so sore from just working next to a hot oven and me running around everywhere doing different things, especially if it's on a weekend. And recently, I've just set boundaries with myself to start saying no to people because the amount of times where I had to cover for someone every fucking week was doing me in mentally and physically. So the last thing I want to do is hang out or talk to someone from work, the same place where I was constantly feeling pushed over. I guess what I'm asking is, am I the asshole for doing this? To compartmentalize my two lives and not want them to mix? To not want to talk or hang out with anyone at work? I don't know if there are people who do this or think like this. Maybe if it were at a different job slash industry or with different coworkers, I probably wouldn't feel this way. But respectfully and not all, not at all personal attack on their character, I would not want to hang out with them or talk to them during my off days. Have any of you guys had this dilemma? What's your relationship with work slash coworkers? Do you guys compartmentalize your life into different sections? I'm just curious to know what your take is. Love your podcast and book recommendations. You guys rock. Sincerely, a Lavender Menace fan from Melbourne, Australia. Yay! Melbourne, Yay! Australia! Hi, Australia. Wow. Honestly, I too compartmentalize my life. Yeah. It's kind of important to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked at a I worked a pretty similar job as what you're describing mm-hmm. for a while. Like, weekend night shifts, sort of doing takeout orders and running around restaurant. And no, I did not talk to my coworkers. <laughs> we did not like hang out. First of all, because like in in terms of demographics, I was usually oftentimes it's kind of weird because sometimes like based on where your job is and what you're doing, like, you know, be, where what your job is and whatnot, sometimes you're the only person of your age group there. So it's like I sometimes you can get along with other people, but also like other people oftentimes have like power over you regard in regards to seniority or they're they're your manager or you know it's like it's hard to be like friends with people who you are like forced to be around in terms of and also any of you can be fired at any given point Mm because it's the service industry like Mm -hmm. that is hard in just for like your personal life and unless like there's specifically like restaurant union organizing that has to happen in terms of like worker organizing happening with people it just seems like having a having like a personal relationship with people in that way a isn't necessarily that's not a guarantee for any like actual solidarity and b that's also 
like it's not really necessary for that and if that's not your goal and if that's not in a possibility or an objective for you then like that's what can you do and also you it's it's like it's your place of work and if your place of work is already already has to do with interacting with so many people and being the sort of receptacle for their issues at any given point like being projected on essentially constantly and being asked for things and having to deliver what they ask for accurately and efficiently every time it's already that's already like draining on you so it's kind of it, it of course it's it seems like a lot to ask for and it is difficult to ask for forcing like a friendship to emerge because I feel like like that's a thing about like friendships is that I oftentimes they I think how they come about should feel like natural, natural. yeah and it should feel like you because even if like the conversation should ha- like you shouldn't have to force, force it. it yeah especially if you're starting to become friends with someone it's like yeah. Like the, if it like, happens, it happens. And the stakes are so low because... Yeah. And sometimes, like, at your work... Like, it's like when you're at school or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be friends with everyone in your fucking classroom. Are you kidding me? You're yeah. all just in the same classroom. You're not going to be... Very that. In the same way, you're not going to be friends with everyone that you are at work with. Unless, like, you want to be. Unless you make the effort to be, oh, yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to be friends with everyone in this classroom. Yes, I am going to put in the effort to be friends with everyone at my workplace. Like, that takes a certain type of, like, commitment and effort... That mm, isn't is, necessary. It, yeah, and not everyone, most people are not going to do that. You know what and I mean? And if you're working, because I was like, I worked like a retail job, so there was like some downtime, and I was also working like eight-hour shifts and like multiple days a week, so I was like spending a lot of time there, and I would be very, very bored if I didn't talk to my coworkers. Like, I feel like having a quote-unquote friendship at, like with your coworkers, mm-hmm. one I'm a firm believer in it's it's on the clock. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in making me being on the clock as enjoyable as possible because why mm-hmm. should I suffer on a capitalist dime? Ha ha he he with my coworkers yeah. for sure. But it was it was to pass the time. Yeah, and I didn't really talk to them like yeah. outside like. Unless I really like you as a person outside yes. of the situation that we are in, mm-hmm. we're, why would we like carve out time together off off the clock the same way that like after you graduate high school or whatever, why are you going to reach out to people just like... Like unless you already have right. that out of that Out place, of that situation, that environment, connection. investment. You don't really owe it. So if, like, if you're not spending that much time and you don't have that much downtime at work where, like, there's just some time to pass to even have a conversation naturally, then you don't need to do that or force that. I don't think, Yeah, I don't don't think you're the asshole for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also don't think, like, even compartmentalizing your life or, like, not wanting your friends to hang out around your work is even... That that's not bad. Weird. It's <laughs> not bad or weird. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're not the asshole. I mean, I think I think having a job that you're not very passionate about or like, like I think when or that doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. it it's a job that, basic it's a job that like is built and functions in such a way that the employer can replace you as mm-hmm. easily as possible. That's how most service jobs function. Like, I think 
that you you have to keep that in mind as well because of how disposable you are to your employer and how exploitable how easily exploitable you are and mm-hmm. also how tough your working conditions are you don't have to make it harder on yourself and i think in terms of you know people like asking for you to cover their shifts and all and all of that it's always it's always hard to like try to set those boundaries or be firm about what you can or can't do but it's kind of like my approach is always like cover a shift when you need the money <laughs> don't don't ever do too much what's the yeah. point why would you go out of your way to do something for like your workplace when they would never cover your ass and i mean whereas with your coworkers like it's mm-hmm. see oftentimes and especially like with my friends who also with who've like work jobs and in like food service and stuff as well it's if you cover someone's shift when they're having an issue they'll cover yours you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like more of a it's more I scratch of a, your back you scratch mine right that's more of an exchange and it's like you kind of but also that also depends on the other person being mm-hmm. like reliable and, and following through and like not being a flake and also you but and, and in that way you don't actually like have any security in that just doing the bare minimum to keep your job is kind of it's kind of the best way to do it honestly because why would you do anything more than the bare minimum period i at your fucking service job are you kidding me oh no i'm trying to make like going out of your way to make friends if you're not that type of person yeah it just doesn't and if the people don't seem like people you would fuck with anyways What's the point? Whereas, like, some of my friends who work at, like, co-op grocery stores just end up being friends with everyone else there because mm-hmm. they're all gay and trans people yeah. who are all in their 20s mm-hmm. who, like, and then it's, like, whatever. Or, or, like, have similar interests or something. Yeah. Like, certain jobs, even if they're, like... Yeah, sometimes you're just a barista at a coffee shop and everyone who works there is just your friend. Yeah. Like, that's whatever. It That's just how it happens sometimes. And other times, you have a distanced relationship. It's the same in any environment, school, work, mm-hmm. like, it, that's just how it is, I feel. When I was in RA, they all wanted to be buddy-buddy, like, friends the whole, all the time, like, and oh I was, my god. I was like, we're just like, we're actually one big family, and I was like, nope, we're co-workers. <laughs> we Capital C, family. co-workers, are you, you are my me? boss, we are not on a fucking, like, team together, like, right. you're my employer, Act like one. Don't right. wear flip flops. But <laughs> this is your workplace. So, and it's like obviously, like just because of the size of the department, I became friend with like mm-hmm. you know certain a couple, people in it. A certain, yeah. Like, but if the ratio of people who I became friends to versus everyone who is hired by Res Life, mm-hmm. it was like, was I friends with my coworkers? No. <laughs> like, yeah. I I don't think. The people who used to work with me at that job would describe me as a friendly person, <laughs> necessarily. So, I, yeah, no. Yeah. Mm-mm, it's... I, I'm a firm believer in having friends and co-workers. <laughs> firm believer in that, actually. Oh, no. Unless some fuck shit is going on at your work that you need someone to shit talk. That's, yeah. that's where a lot of my friendships with co-workers You have the bond from. to shit talk Yes, is the bond things. like, oh, like... The only thing we have in common is working at that place. But sometimes you need someone who understands what it's like to work at that place. Yes. But if that's not 
if that's not a social thing that you need or if that's mm-hmm. not an outlet that you need or maybe you yeah. have no problem talk or it seems like you don't really talk about your work to your friends but if that's not something that's like mm-hmm. you know that's it usually I would find the other shit talkers in the back <laughs> and then and then we talk about it and be like you hate your boss too yeah I hate my what the fuck is happening in your staff meetings like it was more like that and then from there a friendship would exactly form. exactly but yeah that's important but yeah so we have another hot take um, from back in May. The subject line is ignorance is bliss. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Hey, Sunny and Renaissance. I'm a pretty new listener of the podcast and I've been loving hearing other lesbian voices and finally hearing other people putting words to a lot of thoughts slash feelings I've had over the years. Listening to you read email submissions immediately made this hot take come to mind <laughs> as it's something that I'm always thinking about whenever I start getting big into lesbian media and commentary, like how I've been obsessively listening to this <laughs> podcast on my commute to work for the past two weeks, lol. So, as you might be able to tell, I am a lesbian. I'm also currently an engineering student in university. Cutting to the chase, engineering is extremely straight, male-dominated. Sad face emoji. In my internship that I only started very recently, the men are quite bro-y, and I feel a little out of place, to say the least. I can't help but think, is this the life that I've doomed myself to by studying engineering? When the new guy at work is able to easily assimilate into the office culture, it only reminds me that I'll always feel out of place in an environment like this. In school, looking around and seeing my classmates shows me who I'll be working with for the rest of my life, and things look bleak, respectfully. (laughs) She said, y'all ain't shit. (laughs) Liz, Emily said, I'm not impressed. (laughs) Not impressed. The feeling of isolation really comes to the forefront of my mind when I start seeing the other side by consuming a lot of lesbian media slash commentary, like I mentioned before. So my hot take is that ignorance might be bliss in this case, or at least some level of ignoring how my identity and values clash with the environment I'm in and cause discomfort. For example, whenever I think too hard about how men really view lesbians and women and then have to turn around and be surrounded by men constantly, it feels kind of shit, to say the least. Is the answer just to not think too hard? I don't want to compromise myself and who I am, but is it worth it if it makes me feel like I fit in more or makes me feel less frustrated about my life's trajectory? The only reason it's even a consideration is because I will be in this field for the rest of my life. I'm not fully convinced, but it's definitely something I think about. What does it really take to get by out in the real world, especially in male-dominated spaces? To be honest, I'm not really going to be changing what I do or how I think. The feeling comes and goes. I'll still be listening to this podcast and watching YouTubers Mm -hmm. who put silly little lesbian ideas in my brain etc etc but hey it's just a thought and i'd be interested to hear what y'all have to say about it thanks for reading side note for renaissance i saw on your instagram that you visited vancouver and that's where i go to the university hope you liked it there it's so beautiful in the summer oh thank you and i absolutely loved and adored vancouver and if you go to bcu then i walked across your campus and it was gorge <laughs> yeah yeah honestly this is the thing we need lesbian stem people Stay in school, Barb's like. (laughs) The solution, I think, here for the listeners is more lesbians in engineering. If you have lesbian friends, you if if you know any like lesbian seniors in high school, any any lesbian juniors to seniors in high school, what your solution is is to try with all your might to convince them to get into engineering. (laughs) And then just bring them along with you. No, exactly. As a way to as to counter the broiness, just dykeify the spaces. It's not to assimilate into broiness, it's to dykeify them. I think is what the STEM and medicine needs is they need more lesbians. And mm-hmm. this gives other 
First of all, you can't hook up with each other. <laughs> for no, for the you're giving a step by step guide. Yes. If, if for this for the STEM lesbians who are going into these jobs, just work at fuck people with the office across the street, kitty corner minimum. Just <laughs> fuck the barista that you get yes. your coffee at. Yes. Who works across the, who at the place exactly. across the street from your office? Exactly. Don't. We can't, you can't bring the L word chart into, into the broy engineering. Are you space. kidding me? Right. Exactly. So I just want to put, as, because I did say, let's bring more <laughs> lesbians in, and I have to be mindful of my words. <laughs> so, Check your damn self. Right, right, Asterix, right. you can't fuck each other. <laughs> but that, I think, is what, is what needs to happen. Because mm-hmm. we have lesbian artists. Mm-hmm. We have lesbian writers. Too many. Too many. None of you need to quit your STEM and go into the arts. <laughs> We we got None that covered. We, we got that covered. So someone's got that covered. We're we're holding the fort. Worry not. Stay in engineering. <laughs> what we need is is for you to have lesbian more, coworkers. More, more. Yes, yes, yes. That is exactly. When now, when it comes to accidentally knowing too much, I may have accidentally feminist conscious raised one of my friends in a way that she was who who dates men and she wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> And then when I was explaining... And now you're facing the consequences Yeah, and of so that. then right. after, I, like, I was talking... Because she was saying how her gay woman friends were complaining about how, like, when they flirt, it'll just immediately turn into friendship, and then they can't... And then they're friends, and then they can't date. And she's like, but, like, she didn't understand the disconnect for, like, why men and women aren't... Fr- or, like, she's like, but I love that me and my boyfriend are best friends. And I was like, yeah, because if he doesn't respect you... Oh, my God. He's a misogynist. <laughs> Like, I'm like, it's really important for girls to be friends with their boyfriends, because if there's not respect for you as a human being, you're you're in danger, girl. Right, right. So, and then, so anyways, but I'll just, like, mention quick, quick analyses of heterosexual relationships, and it'll blow her mind, and then she has to, like, sit in a corner and think about her relationship (laughs) for a little bit, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I thought this was obvious. Right, And then I realized not everyone else has been studying fucking lesbian feminism for four years or Uh whatever the fuck. But anyways, so that happens, and I think when it comes to, like, ignorance is bliss or da-da-da-da, it, like, once you're aware, once you see something, you can't unsee it, which definitely shifted for me with, like, when it comes to work, and, like, how obvious exploitation is but how so many people are blind to their own exploitation which is like whoa guys so it's just like another one of those facets it's like once you have an oppressed identity or are put in a class or a category that gets oppressed and then you become aware of that oppression and how it manifests consciousness is different when it's collective versus when it's isolating yes and which is why it's like being the only woman in your workplace being the Mm -hmm. only person of color in your workplace being Mm -hmm. the only insert whatever right yeah whatever in your workplace it is it it will always be exhausting and that's and it's going to be the situation and the circumstance that a lot that most people who exist as marginalized people Mm -hmm. find themselves in Mm -hmm. if you're pursuing something like engineering you know what i mean like yeah because of how the world works and it's it's fucked up obviously but it's like how trying to cope with with survival and the sort of relates to the previous hot take of, you know, being able to compartmentalize, separate Mm -hmm. your identity of how you interact with the world as a worker, as Mm -hmm. as an engineer, as an Mm -hmm. engineering student. Yeah. Versus how you interact with the world as, like, a lesbian, as a woman, or as a... You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I think also in my friends who are pursuing, like, 
computer science or medicine and whatnot who are lesbians, it's kind of like they 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 constantly have these realizations as well where they're like, wow, when the male dominated field is, field is actually male dominated, <laughs> like hold on, <laughs> like and when you when you look into the lab and it's like yeah, well <laughs> that is what it looks like, and I yeah. think. Sorry, yeah. I study French literature. I had only <laughs> I had only women professors in my major. Like, like I me, think I'm so, I'm sh- uh, shutting my ass up. <laughs> you are yeah. privileged. I'm, yeah, I'm You're speaking my, from a place of privilege. Yeah, I'm taking my lesbian French studies privilege, and I'm just listening and extending sympathy and learning yeah. how to be an ally to those <laughs> in, in fields where there was an no one. I was like. <laughs> Right, because me being a me being a communist lesbian was a real shocker and table turner in my mm-hmm. French literature classes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, no, I. It's like, but also it's like, wow. I think viewing, viewing it as I am better than these other people is so <laughs> important. It's so crucial. That's mm-hmm. the only way my friends and people I know have been able to survive as like lesbians pursuing these interests these fields Mm -hmm. these careers is i am better than these other people (laughs) these hoes ain't shit yeah like because they don't well they don't know what it's like to be a fucking dyke are you kidding me but also like do they have any critical understanding of the world beyond their limited worldview of like what it means to like just study engineering and be an engineer Fucking no. Do they do do they care about anything beyond like software engineering and then like video games? Like do they give a fuck about anything beyond like medicine and then like I don't know, whatever their other two hobbies are? Like these people don't care about real ass mm-hmm. things and that's the majority of the people around you. That's and this is how most people are for like honestly in studying anything in most spaces for anything that is going to be the situation like where and listen I'm trying to fight it every day <laughs> I have a bio friend bestie and ev- every day is a struggle to try and find an interest outside of preparing for med school <laughs> every day is a struggle to be like and what about hobbies you know because I just find and then I meet her friends and I'm like oh you're all like this I'm like you're the eclectic one that's interesting. That's when you find a bio STEM person and you're like, I have 15 hobbies and interests and you have like maybe one or two. And then you find out that they're the eclectic. <laughs> they're, they're the like wide range one. They're the balanced it one. Gets it's scary. scary. It it's gets scary. scary. <sighs> yeah, no. That's like, like, if we think about why the world is so fucked up, we can just look at the what, lack of hobbies. The lack of hobbies that people who, you know, create the infrastructure for mm-hmm. the world that we live in have. That's how you it, get threads. It's dire. <laughs> it's fucking dire out here, yeah. bro. So it's important. Stay strong. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding, I think finding or just being able to bitch about mm-hmm. things and experiences and how crazy and like feel grounded outside of whatever of the reality of your work reality by being able to like take a step back and be like this is fucking ridiculous is like really important and i think even for you know even for people who aren't studying like stem or whatever for 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 any job in any workplace in any field that's just like 
even in the job that our previous our previous hot take was discussing, like being able yeah. to just understand it to be what it is, either, you know, a male dominated engineering space or mm-hmm. like a fast paced food service environment mm-hmm. where you're on your feet all the time and you're tired and you just want to get out of there when you can. Like understanding it for what it is, taking it for what it is, yeah. and then just like Rolling knowing with it. that you are a person outside of that is like so important, mm-hmm. you know? And I I think that also, I felt like this in high school as well, like at my public school, my co-ed school where it was like just all these fucking dudes. It's like watching these guys just exist the way that they did. I was like, wow, y'all just act like that. <laughs> That is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you... And then to exist in, like, the adult real world like that because of what your job... I'm scared. It's so scary. I'm so scared. It's so so scary that people don't develop. (laughs) Like, you can can just keep getting older. And you can, like, go from college to job and everything and not... stunted in your fucking growth. There's no... Nothing happening there. There's nothing in here. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. It's like, because I, I don't even... critical thoughts of 2010. Like... <laughs> like, you, you watched CNN once in 2015, and that was the last time you thought about anything. And it, that's, that's interesting to me. Because I didn't even intend to do this. I didn't even intend to turn out this way. So I'm looking around being like, this is what we were all doing. And then I meet someone for the first time my age, and I'm like, oh, you... <laughs> you haven't read a book in a meaningful way since maybe middle school. Yeah. You you didn't even do summer assignments in high school. Like you like you you checked out of thinking freshman real year. early. They told, you, they, told, they told you we're going to start Shakespeare and you said that's it for me. <laughs> that's the amount of that's the last growth moment. You you were presented with that said no and walked away. And it's and that those people are interested, but when you meet them in the wild, it's kind of like a sim. Or coming <laughs> I was talking about this like it's an anthropological study. Like, yeah. whoa, ooh, I'm normal like, ass bitches. But what are, is that is it like? Normal to to not. Right, is that normal, or are we? I think it's are, too extreme. Right, no, no. Like we <laughs> can learn something from them. I'm sure there's some value, <laughs> and take the value what you can, listener, of of this experience in this space. But also maybe. Bring a book to the office. And just see what the response is. Just read Joan Didion with the cover out and see what they say. Maybe maybe this is your nine to five. You put, a, you put stickers box. on your laptop yeah. <laughs> to vlog. Exactly. Oh help, help. Oh god. But that's hell. I'm I'm sorry, listener. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well we did we got multiple international questions. Melbourne. Vancouver. Yes. Yes. Guys. And I really did love Vancouver. And now, from, uh... Spain. Yes. And the subject line is annoying bisexuals. And everyone clapped. Our, our <laughs> and home base. cheered. Our right, home no, base. no, that's home. That's... And we return again and again and again and again. What are they up to now? We, at this point, we don't even look for ourselves. You guys will tell us. When the bisexuals well, but are annoying. this is the thing. Like, if it wasn't happening so often... With this frequency? Then what? We wouldn't Our have shit to talk about. Our real dry. We wouldn't have shit to talk about if y'all could stop being annoying. Imagine and we say that, that every time. We always say there's a... Pre- we, it happens first, and then we respond. We've we written don't poke the bear. manifestos about this at this point. Multiple. 
Like if someone should make like a Spotify playlist of just our us talking about bisexual episodes. Because like at this point you could. I mean, like these are there has and then, to be. And then our haters will be like, oh my god, they're so obsessed with us. And then imagine how many every episode how count how many times you say lesbian. If, if you actually like the ratio of how much you talk about just like lesbians for lesbians like all about of that, lesbians about lesbians yeah. Versus, like, the fraction of time we spend actually talking about bisexual people. But what are we known for? Talking about bisexuals. And who's annoying about that? Not us. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oof. The email reads, annoying bisexuals. Hi, Sunny and Renaissance. I'm Lily, a 20-year-old she-they femme lesbian. I've been a fan of the pod for two years now, and I really love your content. You are the ones that got me into gaylorism, actually. Yay. Well, since I started college, I'm part of a big queer friend group in which, to no surprise, the vast majority are bisexual women. They constantly call themselves lesbians, misuse femme butch terminology, use slurs like boyera, the Spanish equivalent of dyke, and say things along the lines of bi-lesbians. I've repeatedly asked them to not do that, as they only use the term lesbian when it benefits them, and they don't really know the struggles of being one. I've told them that it makes me uncomfortable, and I've explained them to them numerous times why this could be harmful and damaging for the lesbian community. I've had this conversation with them at least three times because it kept happening, and this time I really thought they understood what I was saying. However, it turns out that they decided to only avoid saying these things when I'm around and to keep using them with everyone else and also on Twitter where we interact daily. I really don't think it's that difficult to understand. Like, just be a decent human being who respects others. What do you think? Love from Catalonia. P.S. Have you guys seen that Muna reposted something about bisexuals being annoying on their story? I found it really funny and thought of the pod. They've deleted it, though. <laughs> Thank you for thinking of us. Right, oh, right, That's right, so right. funny. We were invoked in, mm-hmm. in the name of... I didn't see it. Did you see it, though? I think I did, but I forgot what it was. It, it was... It did make me really smile, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's bold of them, though, because I, I feel know. like... But that's their fan base. Yeah. That's their, their fan base. is annoying bisexual, so they're really... <laughs> They're really putting their neck out there, and I, I respect that. I respect I'll listen that. to Buna, but if that's real. That happened. I respect it. <laughs> oh, please. Damn, that's really that's really cruel. Mm-hmm. That's so s- fucked up. Well, that's the thing. Why would people respect, like, the points that you're making or what you're saying mm-hmm. if they don't fundamentally, like, understand or believe in its legitimacy? Mm-hmm. If they think that, like, these terms and, like, the way that they use it even though, you know, and shit like that, and calling each other dykes and whatever, even though, like, they're not. They're not. Is, is, like, chill, fun, and whatever, and you're not cool with it, and they are just, like, fine. If you're not cool with it, then we won't do it around you. But they fundamentally are, like, but I we still think it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, well... They're not listening to the actual points right. or, like, the, the actual conversation. The values are just disaligned, mm-hmm. disaligned here, and that is really frustrating, and that can be something that's, like... You can either wait for someone to, for you can either wait for people to just like learn, grow, and like mm-hmm. get better, and or like you know try to come to understand understand what where you're coming from and why it's like not it's not bad because you're offending me. It's bad because it's bad. Exactly. Like, or I don't like it because there's an actual reason behind it, not mm-hmm. because I don't, not because I'm just trying to like pick a fight with you. Like I mm-hmm. feel like that sort of interpersonal conflict sort of 
comes up again and again and uh it's just so it's just, I think it's mm. just it's so frustrating like yeah in queer spaces like we've gotten a, a number of emails at this point now about lesbians being in spaces that are targeted towards like queer people or queer women or mm-hmm. you know or being with like, other women who are supposedly also yes like, and then yeah. still facing this lesbophobia which isn't surprising I guess given mm-hmm. the nature of lesbophobia but it's like bruh how are you gonna like identify as queer or bisexual or whatever like and be some... so disrespectful <laughs> yes and be so like close-minded or not even like the fact that Lily is taking the time to be like invest and, and yeah and, and explain <laughs> and like yeah. do this multiple times and they just don't give a fuck don't give a fuck it's like well Outside of identity stuff, you're just a bad person. Like, yeah. you're just not a good... And if it's supposed to be, like, in a friend group or some or something that's supposed to be friendly yes. with each other, like... Mm, Don't make sounds people like feel you hostile. Just, like, yeah, it just sounds like you just hate lesbians and maybe, the, like, <laughs> they should, like, they need to look into that. No. They're, they're, they're being... That's so unfortunate. Wow. But you know what? College freshmen, something about college freshmen is they're going to be annoying as fuck. And they're going to be irritating as hell. And they're going to double down. And then the next year, <laughs> summer comes, they become like sophomores. <laughs> and who knows, some of them stay, some of them graduate annoying. Some of them, <laughs> orientation to graduation, annoying. Some people grow. Find the ones that work with you. Oh, please. Our next hot take is titled or subject lined hashtag real femme identity dear sunny renaissance hello i have less of a hot take and more of a question i'm a feminine bi woman who loves a pod and was curious about y'all's opinion regarding if feminine bisexual women should be allowed to call themselves femmes for a long time i felt comfortable referring to myself as a femme but with some discourse i've seen lately i'm not sure whether or not it's appropriate to continue doing so the argument i've seen from people who think it's not appropriate is that a cis woman who likes men even if they also like people of all genders and presents feminine isn't a femme because of the way they present is normative and upholds patriarchy would love y'all's thoughts so i would say that it doesn't really it doesn't it doesn't really is this does not really matter to me because i don't know your life yes i was gonna say my blanket answer no but there are cases like in the same way that it's like can i mean unrelated to the email we just responded to but like can bisexuals say dyke and then it's i would say no but also it's like if it's a proper noun like dyke walk or something it's yeah. like or they like i think if if you're like a bisexual woman who's with a butch lesbian and your butch lesbian calls you their femme or like that's the role that you are yeah in like there are instances in that case i think but I also think, like, trying to be prescriptive about this shit I also don't... I, but is... I also think that no one should, like, listen to me about these things. <laughs> no, no, no. So, like, I think like... being... Uni- trying to universalize things from any point perspective mm-hmm. if, via, like, internet discourse mm-hmm. is always going to be reductive and mm-hmm. not really going to make that much sense. Like, you... Like... Essentially, call yourself whatever you want, but people are going to judge you for it, right? Like, like if someone can tell me that they are a femme, mm-hmm. 
And I, and I can be like, well, what does that mean to you? Because obviously mm-hmm. what being a femme and being a femme lesbian means to like me, what it means to Renaissance, what it means to someone else mm-hmm. and what it means, like these words mean what they mean to like the person who's using them. But like, we're all trying to agree to agree upon like uh, the same meaning of and definition of a term. And if the meaning of, if, if your understanding of the word like, and the descriptor of femme is like a feminine woman within the lesbian community. It's like, yeah, I, I guess uh, that's that's a pretty that's a very like shallow basic level of describing what like femme means. Because yes, in the lesbian community, calling someone femme or calling someone a femme means that they are a like usually just like a feminine. Usually, it means that they are a feminine lesbian, and in the way that like calling someone butch is also it's a term that exists in the lesbian community to describe someone as masculine. Like that's very, this is like very basic, but mm-hmm. obviously what these terms, what these identities mean to various people, like they, like varies. I feel like, I think that historically the way that like butch and femme as words and labels have been used has been inclusive of, has always been inclusive of bisexual people because mm-hmm. of the way that the delineation between bisexual and gay or bisexual and lesbian didn't really have as much weight to it mm-hmm. in the way that it does presently. Like previously it was like, well, if you slept with people of the same sex, then you did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah okay, whatever. That is gonna be the case. If, and, and of course, and people also probably were not thinking about it that deeply as well. Like I, because of the actual material conditions of what was going on. It mm-hmm. wasn't as much as like, oh, like, mm, but am I a lesbian or am I bisexual? Like I'm sure people f- had these thoughts, but mm-hmm. like it, it uh, what was more important than that question was probably, well, I'm a femme. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, am I a lesbian or am I bisexual? What's more important to, than that in the circumstances of that reality was that like this person was butch. Like yeah. I think like that that is something to be considered. I feel like uh, I I feel like calling yourself like femme because you are a queer woman who is feminine is like that is a that is the most umbrella term like just generic usage of the word femme contemporarily in in general but like the way that like femme lesbians try to try to and use the term femme is specifically as it relates to butchness and butch Mm -hmm. femme lesbianism butch Mm -hmm. femme lesbian culture and and lesbian culture like you can engaging in lesbian culture itself Mm -hmm. also is not even like it's not like do you have your lesbian card at the door like who's checking whether you're bisexual or a lesbian at the you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter unless you're making unless you make it matter unless you make it a problem you know what I mean like unless it becomes an issue if you exist in a lesbian space and you're doing lesbian shit with other lesbians for the purpose and in the vibes of lesbians. It doesn't matter whether you think or identify as like bisexual or not, because what does it matter to the people around you? Like when the point of the community and the point of the situation at hand is like like lesbianism. But the thing is, is that so many people are not in that situation. Most people don't actually prioritize or 
like lesbian spaces don't exist in that way anymore it doesn't seem like where it where now people it makes sense that people are being more like gatekeepy of the language that we use surrounding like mm -hmm. lesbianism and lesbian spaces because of how 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 in how much like heterosexism encroaches on lesbian spaces and lesbian culture and, att and attempts to make it mainstream or universal when it's not and mm -hmm. tries to universalize it without even acknowledging its roots or respecting mm -hmm. the reality of like where it came from you know i think that is really the main issue a lot of people who use the term femme to describe a queer like anyone who is queer and feminine coded like don't understand where that word evolved from which yeah. is like bar culture in the 20th century to describe drag queens and like lesbians who dated like butches like you know what i mean like that people don't really get that and i think the disrespect around that is why people think that butch feminists and it is more is not the like niche and marginal sort of community and identity that it actually is like mm. I, people think that people are trying to impose it on other people when really like it people are trying to reclaim and claim it for mm. and make it visible for what it historically has been and like is still relevant to be like I mm. I think like but basically I don't know the, the the question the answer to this question is that you uh we is that I can't no one on the internet can tell you you are allowed to use this word for yourself or not. No one can tell you, yes, you are a lesbian, no, you are not. Because who, I don't know you. Do, do you. do you know yourself? Like, you, these are questions, these are words that have come out of people trying to understand themselves. People trying to confront how they relate to the world. So that's like your own journey you know mm -hmm. that's that's your own like work and like engage engaging of in history and culture and identity that like you kind of have to do in a way that you, you can't like you can't shortcut that yeah yeah so anyways this is part two of our record on our end production side we're recording this on a different day but, uh, yeah. And if you're watching this, that's why we look different. Because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Anyways, but do you have any thoughts after I went on my spiel yesterday about yeah. hashtag real femme identity and whatnot? Like... I think... I think it's about... Or I guess my personal opinion, use whatever verbiage you want to use. But... It's about like how what history like you are aligning yourself with and I you touched on it towards the end when you were speaking about like the historical use and a lot of the disrespect or the people who have quite strong opinions on the word are in response to the people who use it without knowing where it comes from and I think yeah, and and having Women and femmes. Yeah, and like shit. having 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 no respect, <laughs> yeah. having no respect for for the history or, or where these words and queer history like actually comes from. So like for those reasons, I think that like having lesbian specific verbiage is important, and I think 
you also talked about like in an attempt to kind of like mainstreamify queer culture at yeah, large it, also the feminist movement exactly also just, like, like there's this yeah, kind of like the erasure and with visibility comes erasure always and and of for like lesbians speci- like specifically it's just like is it such a crime for lesbians to have lesbian specific language do like i feel yeah. like this verbiage and these conversations only comes up when it comes to people like, wanting to exist in this space and when they don't really because that, exactly. that's the other thing if you just exist in this space then you just do exactly it, it like, like if, that's, if that's, that was my point that was my point it's yeah. like, it doesn't matter if you are bisexual exactly. if you exist in this like, space you do but that's the not the conversation case. at large right being can bisexual <laughs> women use this language identify as a pen like my straightforward blanket answer is going to be no because how many of them who are asking this question or engaging in this are even invested or participate in lesbian culture lesbian like an adjective butch femme lesbian dynamics culture exactly. community because that's what this shit is about like that's why this language being like can we use femme but you're just like a femme for femme to buy girls dating or you're just like a queer woman who is queer like that's that's exactly fine. you're just a feminine queer woman like that's like just fine. because you're feminine doesn't that doesn't mean, mean that you're, that you're a femme. femme lesbian you know what i mean or like you exactly. exist within the femme lesbian continuum you know I, you're I think, just a feminine i think okay person, with woman. just between us our yes fave, our yes, going yes, on yes. like yes. more than ten, like 10 years yes fave of fave. us i there's this one video where Gabe, mm-hmm. pre-transition, you know, Pre-tran- like yeah. they were like they were like uh you know a hot bi girl whatever, and they were, and, and did it well, right? No, Everyone, did it well. Everyone take paved, notes. Paved the way Pay for close many. attention. Gabe to that. paved the way for so many different identities and communities. It's <laughs> no his exactly. impact is put some respect on that fucking name. Exactly. You know? But so basically, back then, I remember one of their couch yeah. videos. He says, I look more femme. I'm mm-hmm. I'm femme because th- that's the word that people use in the lesbian community. Well, exactly. To describe. He also said exactly. it's he a said, lesbian identity. Right, no, Even this is the word. Gabe is bisexual. Exactly. He was like, God he was honoring. like, exactly. He was literally like, mm-hmm. this, this is, you know, I, I present femme, which is the word that lesbians use in mm-hmm. the lesbian community to describe someone who, like, looks and acts like me. And they also, like, of course they dated men, but they mm-hmm. also dated, I mean, they dated women, but they dated, like, budges and masks and trans Everyone. people. <laughs> exactly, that's the Everyone. point. That's the point. But, but they, exactly. of course, they, of course, existed, respected, and understood. And, knew, and used the word as it was intended to be used. Right. In the appropriate way. In the context of, like, this is what I look like, and this mm-hmm. is who I date, and this is how I exist in the world. Fucking duh. But also... Like, and that, but that's also just called, like, using words. Like, right. it's just called using words and vocabulary. <laughs> Appropriately. Rhetoric. Exactly. That's just called knowing the words of what you're meaning and being able to employ them correctly. Which a lot of people struggle with. Exactly. Many like, people even, are struggling with Y'all can't that. even handle male gaze. And you want to start... <laughs> like, y'all heard that. Y'all heard gaslight and... Ran with that shit. Like, it's ran through. Exactly. That word's ran through. So it's like, I feel like a lot of this pushback or whatever discourse is like, don't do that to this shit. Like, if you're gonna use it gently, put it back where you got it, you know? Like, things should be more clean when you leave than when you (laughs) Like, that is what really I think the sentiment is. That's what this shit comes down to. Yes, Rather than just like... Right, because I mean, a lot of books from mm -hmm. like the 90s that talk about femme, butch, culture, Mm -hmm. history 
and, and dynamics touches on the reality of mm-hmm. bisexual femmes, bisexual butches, like bisexuals who exist in the lesbian community. Yeah. Because that was the case at the time. Like, mm-hmm. you existed in the lesbian community or you did not. And, like, that's not the truth of the matter. Of- Anyone can be bi these days. <laughs> Any- anyone can put it on the resume. Microsoft and bisexuality. We're which, just all... Which is fine. Like, you, like, you're bi if you're bi. If you say you're bi, you're bi. If you say you're trans, yeah. you're trans, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't matter. That doesn't affect me at all. I don't give a the, the really, I need GAF. Like... We, we really don't give a fuck. But the point is, is that within... The reason why it still existed within the lesbian community is because... Who are they around? Lesbians. Who are the people they are fucking with? Lesbians. That was the point. And that's why we got some of the rhetoric of like, oh, are lesbians exclusionary to people who date men or whatever? Like that type of stuff was because it was a lesbian majority homonormative community yes. From yes. away from the rest of the world. Like you can engage yes. with the rest of the world, but like that's different from what's happening here. And like th- that's one element of like, what are the dynamics and lines mm-hmm. between culture that exists within our minority community, culture that mm-hmm. exists at large as it seeps into the mainstream? But also, it's I... It's also the relationship between does reality inform language and then language informs. Like, what comes first in that <laughs> sense, you know? Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier mm-hmm. of, like, this language exists because people were trying to find ways to describe themselves in relationship mm-hmm. to the world. Mm-hmm. That That's why. But also, I mean, with the last sentence of this email where where this person said that... The argument I've seen from people who think it's not appropriate is that a cis woman who likes men, even if they like people of all genders, and presents feminine isn't a femme because the way they present is normative and upholds patriarchy. But the thing is, is that the way that we present Mm -hmm. as feminine is normative and upholds patriarchy. (laughs) Like, are you serious? Any level of femininity from Mm -hmm. any woman is patriarchal. Are you fucking kidding me? There's no way around it. But I also think that even though that is the case, there's like... What, like, is a trad wife going to call herself a femme? You know, like... Right, the difference is that we don't engage with men Mm -hmm. in in a social, romantic, sexual, in a real way. We don't have the desire to, and in our real material world, it just doesn't happen. I have so few men in my life. Like, comparatively. Men do not really exist to us in the way that, uh, that the majority of women who are feminine, majority of women in general, do, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's... Like, that is also what's kind of important. Something that fans have talked about for decades is, like, we can exist in the world as, like, n- normal-seeming women. Normal-seeming people who and can just... And the crazy is just right below the surface. <laughs> and the insanity. And it's... The, ma- the normative mass. But if, if right below... It's like, a, it's like a duck on water. You know, the normative femininity Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the crazy lesbianism. Right, exactly. But, and then, but to other queer people to other lesbians Mm -hmm. it's evident that we are dykes duh no gay person has ever not known that i'm gay and then when we are with our partners Mm -hmm. of course people think we're gay because we are of course we're gonna get fucking hate crimed of course people think that we are the weak little women who Mm -hmm. got coerced into lesbianism because of the evil masculine woman right like and if we watch one episode of ultimatum and it's the other Flip it and reverse it. These butchers are being coerced into lesbianism. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and so I I just think... Oh, also, in The Persistent Desire, edited by Joan Essel, there is this excerpt that, like, people have circulated on Tumblr and stuff before that is about... That's sort of, like, how a femme talks about how she, like, 
gets these boots and she go mm-hmm. and she shows up like at a bar and like her straight friends or just like men and like other women who aren't involved in the lesbian community yeah. are like oh my god you're like butching it up like it's masculine as fuck and then she shows up at like um with the other lesbians mm-hmm. at like with the butchers and the femmes and they're like oh my gosh like you look so femme like yeah. these new boots that's literally my experience <laughs> every single day and i think like that also speaks to mm-hmm. that th- what is what we're describing here which is the yeah. in and like outs of a culture that is butch feminist i've had to ask like you multiple times or like just other people being like do i look mad like i can't tell <laughs> because in the real world i'm treated or like seen as quote-unquote gender non-conform whatever mm-hmm. but not really but like to people straight women don't see me as a straight they see me as more masculine yeah. than a straight woman but then there's something not normal exactly there's something there's off, off happening it's, yeah it's like, like an offness yeah whereas with lesbians it's absolutely mm-hmm. no doubt that i'm a femme so it's like <laughs> yes it's so like, and that's what? the thing when we come to hashtag real femme identity it's mm-hmm. like are you with the shits? Have you done the readings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Have you done the homework? But, Have you filled the application? Right. But this is the other thing the too, right? The difference between like being butch and being femme is that butchness is in, in, for a lot of people, like this really like violent experience mm-hmm. that is imposed onto you. Like you can't help being masculine and expressing Mm -hmm. your masculinity and people really fucking hate that Mm -hmm. and so you're treated as butch until you are butch being femme is so much more often like a choice it is Mm -hmm. a decision and a commitment to like be gay (laughs) and to stand by people who are treated worse than us Mm -hmm. for being gay that is what being a A femme is you have to like, it's about acknowledging that fact. Your mm-hmm. gender nonconformity, like, your femininity and stuff, being a feminine woman, whether you're cis, trans, etc., is the prescription to that and the way that we exist in, in the world of, like, womanhood and stuff. That is not... And, and under just misogyny and patriarchy, the, the punishment that we face and the way that we, like, rebel against it is going to look just so different from mm-hmm. other people in our community. And... I think, like, that's just something that is really at the core of hashtag, like, real feminity. Intentionality, mm-hmm. you know? So, anyways. That's that. <laughs> Hope that helps, or at least flush out the idea. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we can't, we can't prescribe, I mean, in our minds, we go, fam. <laughs> no, we, we'll, we'll like, be scrolling, we, being like, that person is not butch. <laughs> yeah. That, no, yes, maybe. Give them three years. No, we're like, we're like, fuck it, we're, we're a reality TV show where yes. we, we're, we're, we assess someone yes. on the foot scale. Yes, it's like American Idol, but they just have to be fun and, yeah. Anyways, so we Oof. do that, but for you, do whatever you want. That's more of a little personal treat that we give to ourselves. Oh, please. Yeah. But anyway, so now we have another old movie to talk to you guys about. And it's, we, we saw this in this, like, cute indie San Francisco mm-hmm. theater. They're showing, like, older films all throughout the month. And so we saw, is it Harold and Maude? It's, yes. like, 1970-something. It's a 70s movie. Yes, I think it's 72, but let me look it up. TLDR, I loved it. It is, oh, 71. Directed by Hal Ashby. It's, it was, it's kind of like... Mm. It's cinema. Let me <laughs> say it is cinema. There is 
an eye and a commitment to the vision of the film that does not exist because not to be like and everything's political nowadays but (laughs) because like this movie is yes but it's not on the nose about it and it's not like shoving it in the face yes of the viewer because it doesn't think that the viewer is stupid right 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 right, it is not responding to preemptive instagram comment Mm -hmm, discourse mm -hmm. and not only does it not do that it didn't exist in the movie with me. <laughs> that is not even crossing the creators of the performance. Because it's 1971. <laughs> and it is beautiful. It is refreshing. It is something about watching true, like, mid century, just like no social media AF movies that are is so refreshing. And it shows the brain rot of today in a really serious real way. In a very serious way. Because serious way. The content of the film is this like 18 to 20-ish year old boy who keeps faking his own suicides and the movie starts with the audience does not know that it's a fake suicide and we see it but it's treated almost like comedically in a way that could not be would not be allowed by the masses today but I almost think that that's a shame because I feel like the way that it's talked about or treated now is like so marginalized versus realizing that like the way we talk about mental health is almost no longer a fact of life in the way that it feels like this movie treats it so this boy keeps faking his own suicides because he is more inclined to this idea of being like living and dead and he is the og like he he's the kind of depressed Mm-hmm. mentally ill school shooter-esque dude that men these days want to be and can't be he's like, that quirked up white boy but the thing, bitches want but can't just not gonna the, you can't recreate that it's not 1971 the thing about it though is that he doesn't like hurt anyone like obviously <laughs> like he has that complicated relationship with his mom yeah but, but his mom doesn't give a fuck his mom doesn't give a fuck and, and the then, first time around it was an accident it yeah. wasn't like he was doing it on purpose. Exactly. And then and then when he realizes that his mom, like, actually gives a fuck about him mm-hmm. once, one when he is, like, dead. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe I can just do this. And, and that's, like, it, but he also gets, like, artistic and creative <laughs> and, like, different. Getting and, like, creative different, with the suicide And it's important. almost, like, magical because, like, he'll make, like, and, you know, yeah. like, the way. It's, it's a whole production. And... It's also part of, like, the whole movie magicness of it all, too, that I mm-hmm. think the film really sprinkles in. And he, he attends funerals. He's just very attracted to death. And He's very morbid. Yes, and so at one of these strangers' funerals that he attends, he meets Maud, who is this woman who's about to turn 80 years old. And she also attends strangers' funerals. But her personality is like the exact. He, she's she's the bubbly opposite. And bright. Of, yeah, of one Meryl. is young, one is old, one Man, is sad. Boy, woman. One is. And she's bubbly. so full of life. Yes. Like, tasted everything, gone everywhere, seen everything. Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, we also find out elements of her life and growing up because. Yeah. She was in a concentration camp. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, so much of like her adult life is in response to having yes. gone through that. Yes, the freedom that mm-hmm. she pursues and the joy that she has is in response mm-hmm. to like the thi- the terrible things she must have gone through mm-hmm. that we don't see on screen whereas yeah. we do see the restrictive 
like lifestyle that mm-hmm. Harold is brought into due mm-hmm. to the nature of his family's like wealth and the manner and stuff that he is raised and the mm-hmm. polite society rules. His mom keeps on trying to set him up on dates with random sorority girls yeah. and it's just not really working out for him. And it's I think like we see this like restriction and freedom and mm-hmm. the way that these things and, and the, the humor of it is mm-hmm. really evident. Yeah. Um, it, and and that's where like I think when heart and humor can really play together, mm-hmm. that's when you don't get the stupid act. Like this is the complete opposite of but like still but achieves the effect of like that mm-hmm. bathos that like Marvel movies and shit like try to <laughs> attempt. Yes, because there's of being like haha, but it's haha, but it's sweet. Sorry, I'm thinking about Marvel movies. Exactly. That's where the Huffs and Puffs were. And I think it's such a successful movie that is, I think just in its tone and in its production, is not going for commercial success. Like, obviously, there's probably a box office number that they're trying to hit, etc. But in terms of who it's appealing to, like, it doesn't feel... Like, it's trying to get Pandering that teenage, to, yeah. they bisexual community that it seems like every other Netflix movie is trying to go after. And I, one thing that I also really enjoy about the movie is that it doesn't seem to be, like, a love letter to any other movies, I think. It's original. It's so original, mm-hmm. and it's so... It's so unique. what it is. It's so 70s. <laughs> it is, and... I I also just love the way that the actors look because they look like real people. They're very unique in the face. Yes. And now everyone has Instagram face. There's this whole we created Botox this idea. To all hell, teeth yes. straightened, ha- like hair the same texture. It's like there used to be this like Hollywood beauty used to be someone who even augmented or rich or whatever was still unique, unique and beautiful as just like a rare beautiful person mm-hmm. and now that concept has completely yeah. transformed because now people want to like, look like Marilyn's right not even Marilyn's Marilyn's at least look interesting that's what I'm saying people, people well I mean like people are recreating what was interesting in and, and trying to but it's so soulless it's yeah. so flavorless like, it's just like look different be be 80 years old as a woman <laughs> like truly and I I just love who like how people looked in the movie older films because because of the nature of like real commercial success and how mm-hmm. how it's just so fast and, mm-hmm. and cutthroat in this way now that we don't really see in in the 20th century at mm-hmm. this point yet you know and and every every episode we come on here and, and lament contemporary filmmaking until, until Emma Seligman drops a new movie and then yes, it's woo! <laughs> and then even then what I was thinking it's like even Bottoms is mm-hmm. trying to is a love letter and trying mm-hmm. to chase that magic of the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. like the things that are good now are trying to chase what was magical about before there's so little original and just things that are allowed to be made and things that are allowed to be released into the public that are just particular and are just I feel unique. like everything everywhere all at once was a moment of original originality. Yes, but even that was in response to Marvel films. Yeah, but and I was thinking about that and also like Bodies Bodies Bodies, that was an original mm-hmm. screenplay. Yes. That I, was so yes. original in tone and theme in mm-hmm. the way that the dialogue works. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it still is reminiscent of the teen movie and the teen slasher. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like it's because we exist at a time where, at this point, movies, like... Very new. There That's weren't the that many. We're now... Now we have so... There's an oversaturation of films and genres. 
Yes, but it's all. It's also. It just comes with the time because now we're reaching about a hundred years of watchable Cinema. film. Like, <laughs> like film started in the earliest you can go is like the eighteen nineties, and even then it was thirty seconds, forty five seconds. Yeah, by silent, the time we get into nineteen twenties is when you start getting movies. movies. Even well, We're starting with the silent films. And so now we have a hundred years of directors, writers, actors, knowing what it is to be on film, knowing mm-hmm. what marketing is. Like, we're seeing... We're already in the capitalismness of film We've in a way that... We've already produced in a century. Exactly. And there's something about that less than a century in-ness of <laughs> That Jenny Saquois of that. Yeah. Right. Well, also, I was going to say, like, I... There's something about, like, like figuring out the landscape yes. that allows... There's nothing to copy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to nothing, base it off of. There's no There's nothing rules. To... <laughs> you just have your artistic eye. Mm-hmm. You have what you, you want to You have a vision, and then you follow it through. And there were just these directors, and there were just these actors who could tap into this magic, mm-hmm. into the medium mm-hmm. that wasn't exactly pinned down yet, mm-hmm. and wasn't consciously sellable in the way mm-hmm. that it is. Of course you yeah. had to market it in such a way. Yes, of course yes. you had like little trailers that were like, you know, the fun. The nature and, of and making fun. Exactly. But it's like that was so different already. But There's not an associated TikTok dance <laughs> with the release of this movie. You know what I mean? Like that is what I'm talking about. I'm not getting sponsored posts about needing to see this. Like it, like, or you wouldn't have in 1971. <laughs> like that, like, and it's so clear that not only is that not what they're doing, it's not a concept. It mm-hmm. is not a structure that they're even, mm-hmm. av- like, avoiding. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, like, I, growing up, because of how hard my dad went in on being, like, you need mm-hmm. to watch, you need to immerse yourself in the world of, like, classical literature and, like, the the canon in mm-hmm. order to understand literature and in order to like like you can be a reader like you can get through a book a day but but you need to read the classics mm-hmm. and i was like well fuck you i'm 11 and i don't want to read fucking who wrote the old hemingway i don't want to mm-hmm. read hemingway this shit is boring as fuck let me read my fucking like pretty little liars <laughs> series are you kidding me like i want an equestrian girl book series I mean, oh so many, yeah but, yeah, like, yeah i know what you're talking about i didn't yeah, yeah. i didn't think i got into that but like mm-hmm. there was all these like girl i don't remember series. that was like that was that one was, of the girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was like, let me read my fucking girl series. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll read like the Newbery Prize award winning. I read like Bud Not Buddy. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I read I read some ser- serious children's literature. Mm-hmm. But I was also just like, you can't. But see, and also I'm also someone who's like, I like to stay on top of contemporary film and contemporary mm-hmm. TV and contemporary stuff, contemporary publishing, just to because I want to know the landscape and contemporary music. Of course, mm-hmm. I want to know the landscape of what's happening now and like support artists that are in in like in the process of making work and mm-hmm. work and and working in the industry but i it's still it's it is so worthwhile i'm coming more and more to the understanding and to the appreciation and recognition how worthwhile and interesting and important it is to have a grounding in 20th century 19th century and before like art and literature because it existed 
outside of the constraints of the mm-hmm. contemporary mm-hmm. like realities of communication because all of these yes. things are modes of communication but because mm-hmm. of how modes of communication have now progressed and technology has existed in such a way that has like rotted our brains to beyond oblivion like it is so important to just be able to read like a 19th century novel like an 18th century and poem. enjoy it and get something right. out of it and understand it and connect with mm-hmm. it I think mm-hmm. like that's why I Shakespeare is important. Stay in yes. Barb. Stay in school. Like, Stay in school, like, <laughs> in, like read, read yeah. in a real way. Mm-hmm. And and see, I've been watching more like mid-century movies this mm-hmm. year, more so than ever before. And I think like the the it's like that's some real ass acting. Yes. Right? People yes. don't act anymore. They, People are not actors. The commitment to. I people are afraid to look a fool. People okay, no, are also, afraid to for their character to do something because they think it's them. It's now their branding. It's now how people true. see them. They're too aware of who they are. Whereas this is Harold and Maude. Yeah. Like uh, also these they couldn't waste film. <laughs> they can just delete that footage and read wait, redo the take the, seventeen the, times. The these endless bitches. mega storage, the endless Google Drive. You need pressure. You need... This is 91 minutes to tell a story on film. What I'm saying is... Period. Film production companies should not be getting that much iCloud data. That should be going to us. To, to, to the people. Yeah. Okay? What they need to be doing is going back to the to the roles of yes. film hot. so they can I get... hot bowls <laughs> on the face of the cameraman. I want beads of sweat You got dripping. two takes. I if, want studio lights making it you fuck oven. up your line, jobless. I want, these, I want these bitches with no jobs because they fucked up the real. Literally. And it's like... Could, that's why those like forties, fifties, sixties, like blooper mm-hmm. reel things are so entertaining because it's like yes. you know that everyone was on the edge of their seat every time the camera mm-hmm. started rolling. Cause bitch, we have there's only so much film here. Yes. And every time we do this shot, it's going it's either gonna make the cut or not, and so you better be on. You better be bringing your A game. Now you can just delete the fucking footage or whatever. Like, cut it where is it even going? Yeah. Like, like you're just editing. You're just editing in all there's these little no slices of things like, anymore. There's nothing. There's, oh and there's just bring back physical film. I don't believe yes. in film photography. I think that's stupid. Because now we have bitches in, like, Washington Square Park, all up in girls' faces, trying to take photos of them reading so they can get something, like, aesthetic on their Portra 300. We need real-ass mm. film yes. films. Yes. You know what I mean? Like... Absolutely. And I think, like, like, when it comes to film technology... We've done enough with the cameras. We need to start... no, no more editing, no more CGI. And no more. None of the special We need to start effects. investigating in, and investing in film preservation. Like, we need to have more physical film, and we need ways to preserve it mm-hmm. for a long time. We need mm-hmm. more ways to... Like, Thank you, Criterion Collection. Yes, like, <laughs> use the digitalness for film should be used for archiving resources and yes. keeping it rather than that being, like, the actual way that film is produced. Like, mm-hmm. there are just so many film films that we still have because of digitalization. Mm-hmm. And there's so many that we've lost because it just was not preserved. It wasn't yeah. kept up with the yeah. times. Yeah. And we're seeing the consequences of that now. Yeah people not thinking long term in terms of their physical copies of things but also now we're seeing that 
streaming services can just delete, delete shows, can just delete films. And they no longer exist at all. And no one has a physical copy. None of these things are being put on DVD. We aren't buying DVDs. We aren't buying physical copies of the media that we're consuming. And that's a shame. And we need to be conscious of that because next thing you know, there's going to be no physical media. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's scary. scary. That's so scary. Quite, quite scary. Who's who's going to download the podcast and put on a CD? That's... <laughs> who's putting our the show on a cassette? Menace on cassette? <laughs> I mean, that's scary. Lavender Menace on Having VHS to reel it back. <laughs> but yeah, so with that, we're going to be converting all our Patreon videos to VHS tapes. Oh, please. Yeah, but uh, I saw that on the letterbox you rated this film like four and a half stars. I, I rated did. it three and a half because I I go by vibes and enjoyment. I, I for vibes and enjoyment, I would give it a 3.75 four. Mm-hmm. The half star went, there were some shots and some cuts <laughs> and some like, like directorial vision yeah. things that yeah. I was like, now that's a movie. Yeah. No, see, like, that's the thing. I, because I'm such a story girl, and I'm such a, like, I, you know, I enjoy prose when it deliver, when it has a, per, like, style, stylization of prose when it has a purpose. I enjoy it when a character is witty and acerbic, and the prose mm-hmm. is witty and acerbic and short. And it's a, refl- or endless and scathing as the thoughts of the characters and the dialogue. Like, I enjoy that. I think it makes it more immersive. I think style for style's sake is stupid and dumb and bad. And I think simple writing, just because it's, just because it's simple and because you have no other capacity to do anything else is just, mm-hmm. well, you're not that good of a writer. Like, so I think in, in, in that way, I, I've, I, I enjoy stories and I enjoy characters. And I think like part of what this film does well is that these stories and these characters, like there's something like real there, something real, something like substantial to like hold on to and grasp mm-hmm. onto. But for me, in terms of just like personal enjoyment, I was kind of like, with every every few scenes, I was like, "Huh, what's happening?" I, mm. I didn't really see the thread of what was happening. I didn't understand really? that Harold and Maude, Harold and Maude were going to like get together until mm. it happened in front of me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, maybe this is just on me as a viewer, and not it's not necessarily like the film's fault, which is why mm. this is about my vibes and my enjoyment as mm-hmm. opposed to like the technicalities of the film or mm-hmm. like what the movie itself is doing. Because I think like te- technically, it's like very good especially in performance and directing and writing but I think like in terms of just sitting there and being like la di da di da what do I think I was kind of like perplexed and then Mm. gagged and then being like huh wow but that's real and then you know it was enjoyable Mm -hmm. but I think like but that's the other thing it's hard to give movies like three and a half stars or three star it's hard to rate books and movies on a five star scale but I will continue to do so because I mm-hmm. enjoy it it's hard sometimes though because one three star rating or three and a half star rating is not equivalent to another three and a half yes. star rating or three yes. star rating yes some are three and a half pause some are three and a half neg, neg. yeah neg, heavy heavy neg. on the neg which that's the 3.5 is such a contentious yep yep such mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. and that's that's why I'm tr- I'm not Actually, trying to avoid it uh-huh. but I think I'm I'm trying to use 3.5 as exclusively neg. I so see. It, for me, like, and I think that's why, like, I bumped it up to 4.5. Because okay. for me, it's, like, 
4.5 or a 4 is like a uh-huh. 3.5 pause. I see. A 3.5 or a 3 is, is <laughs> You know? That's so, so funny. So, like, when I want mm-hmm. to express that I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and also because, like, hold on, I had my recommendation pulled up, but... If if you follow me on Letterbox at Disobedient Gay, thank you to the seven hundred and seventeen. She's not gonna let up on this. No, I like selfishly like let me admit here in the my confessional box, I want to hit a thousand Letterbox followers. Like just straight up, like that is something that I would like to do. Let's get that on paper, right? That's a goal, and that's a goal. And when it comes, it comes. I'm in no rush, but I I want to hit it. Keep those numbers going up. I don't want to see them going down. I check my stocks. But see, I'm already at 46 five stars and 89 four stars. So, like, I'm trying to even out and change my overall, like, bell curve on my letterbox numbers. In so, terms like, of getting more high stars or? It, well, I want, I want more mid here. So, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to, well, just in terms of how I'm rating or how I'm classifying, like, I've gone through my five-star movies, like, probably four or five times and, like, changed them to 4.5 or fours, which is why my fours are up to 89. Because it's like, let's. Let's, let's be a little meaning. more exclusive yeah. about this. Let's so, let's let's make let's curate meaning behind each of these videos. Exactly. I see. So well, this is why I enjoy. At. Okay, people have asked me before. Oh, I'm switching over to Storygraph because Goodreads is hosted by Amazon, and I want to use. Look, I don't fall with the Roman Empire. You know? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, st- like what? What is all this jumping ship? We're leaving Goodreads. We're leaving Twitter for Threads. What happened to staying with something until it, what happens until that shit sinks? When I said in sickness and in health, I took that shit seriously. That's actually the contract when you sign up for an account. Yes. Right. Y'all aren't married to the lifestyle. Y'all don't take that shit serious for me. Anyway, so on my Goodreads account, I, which I take seriously, (laughs) that's a job. (laughs) And I've been clocked in for four years. Okay. My, I I would say something that I like about Goodreads as opposed to Storygraph is that, although I would say Storygraph's, Storygraph's like recommendation algorithm is very good. Like Mm. very good. I, um. Wait, is this your recommendation? No, no. I, I am, I'm sticking to Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Listen, I would never recommend Storygraph over mm-hmm. Goodreads. Even if people say, complain about the interface of Goodreads and mm-hmm. like the software design and like the user interface and whatever the fuck about Goodreads, I don't care. I'm going to use it because that's my baby. And mm-hmm. also, because it's an older platform, it has so much data on mm-hmm. it that Storygraph just doesn't have because it's a newer platform. Storygraph looks better, is easier to operate on, and is... Like, it has these perks that people like of, like, categorizing different genres and having stats and data breakdowns in a way that is, like, nice. And you can also, but also people like that you can half-star things on there. But I'm like, no. I think when it comes to books, you gotta be cut Goodreads is correct for only... Full stars. Because I, I will round up or down in my star rating, mm-hmm. but then in my review say this is a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Like, but the actual rounding up or down, that has a significance to yes, it. Okay? Does. Okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it really forces you to sit with yourself. I think the 0.5 gives leeway. But, do you want um, to do recommendations just real fast? Yes, now it's time for recommendations. Um, do you I you have, have one pulled up? I yes. see on your letterbox. Mine is well because you just said that you are now getting more into older film. 
I am recommending, it's an originally German film, I think, it, but it's set in Prussia, and it's Girls in Uniform by this director. <laughs> Sorry to our German listeners. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, and we have a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, I just don't speak German. Please. But Girls in Uniform, I'm recommending the 1958 one, which is mm-hmm. technically a remake of the 1931 mm-hmm. of the same title. But the original film... Oh, have I, I don't think I've recommended this before. Maybe I've talked about it. Uh, has you haven't no, talked about okay. it. It, I don't the think. original film has no men in it. It was like one of the first films. There's not a With single no man. man. There's not a single man in the film. Damn. And same with the remake. And it takes place in this boarding school. And there's this new girl who comes to the boarding, all girls boarding school. And she essentially falls in love with one of the teachers in like this very sweet Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. way that sometimes students have crushes on, on <laughs> like when student when a student has a crush on a teacher, yeah. that can be sweet. You know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, when yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. reverse, it gets messy. But like this is just very much like the romanticization, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so there's just this like th- that's when you're in an all girls, all women kind of sweet homoeroticness, and also mm-hmm, the way that mm-hmm. the girls, the way that the girls like talk to each other in terms of almost delineating between themselves who are the straight girls in an all-girls space and who are the gay girls in in an (laughs) all-girls space and the way that they talk about that um but it's also i think just a great film uh one it's one of like a tenant of lesbian cinema because of the all-women aspect of it and And how groundbreaking it was especially at the time yes and so um it has those two remakes i think it I think there might be a third remake, but, like, that is not good. That is, like, way Damn. more recent. So I recommend the two. And what did I watch it on? I think I watched it on one of just the weird... Oh, no, I watched this one on YouTube. Yeah. So the oh, 1958 yeah. version is uh-huh. on YouTube for free. So... Sick. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's time for a sunny recommendation. Sunny's recommendation is going to be, I've sent you excerpts of this book, but Mm -hmm. I haven't talked about it on the podcast, I don't think. And when I was in New York City in the spring, I went to the Strand bookstore in the basement where they have all the used books, and I found this hardcover copy of this, like, 90s lesbian feminist philosophy hardcover that was like Mm -hmm. published by like MIT Press or something and it's called Lesbian Choices Between Men Between Women Lesbian and Gay Studies by Claudia Card and I read I read it a while back and I found it so compelling and I think the entire Mm -hmm. thing is online like someone uploaded it all to like word some dyke uploaded it all to WordPress (laughs) yeah and there's I skipped one chapter in it because it's about like lesbians and homosexuals in the military i don't care yeah. and but all the other chapters were really interesting mm-hmm. to me because there was a there were some parts that were like about you know what does it mean to like and i've talked i've mentioned this on the podcast before in terms yeah. of talking about like the ethics of outing someone what does that yeah. mean when they're when it's post-mortem there is a section about lesbian friendship that i found mm. so fascinating about like what does it mean to be like how do we navigate friendship as lesbians and how is that difficult especially mm-hmm. because like among lesbians 
lesbian other lesbians are a dating pool so how yeah. do you be friends with other like what does that mean what does that look like how does that operate uh and like this this book is also really compelling in how it is so situated in the 90s like mm-hmm. feminist discourses and mm-hmm. the, and how they result from the 20th century lesbian feminist movement, the yeah. lesbian and gay movement, and also of course feminist and, and like women's studies. And mm-hmm. our Claudia Card, I think, was it was like just like a philosophy a professor and philosophy person. And I think like philosophers and women in philosophy have oh usually have such interesting approaches to feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is philosophers who can approach these topics because also they're so used to asshole men being <laughs> the majority of their field like yeah. and, so, and then also and being able to dodge every bullet from every angle with yeah. their arguments yeah and being pretty thorough about it so yeah there's also a, a chapter in it about like lesbian abuse and like mm. battery and stalking amongst lesbian relationships there's a chapter it, it was really informative and interesting and it's 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 a good piece of history and a mm-hmm. piece of just like a document that I just happened to stumble upon and mm-hmm. was really like blessed and grateful that I did because I was like whoa there's no other in no other context would I have been able to find this because mm-hmm. I can't these are not things that you can really like seek out necessarily right you could like buy every well-known lesbian feminist book from the 20th century but there are some things that are just like kind of under the radar as is most feminist and lesbian underground shit from the 20th century because that shit was mostly underground except for the things that broke through into the mainstream pop culture yeah. right so anyways that would be my recommendation for this episode Slay. but yeah that's all we have for you guys today uh thanks so much for listening and tuning in and if you're watching on patreon we heart you so we much. appreciate you so much and thank you thank you your support of us is what allows this to be possible. Absolutely. And in a very real in way. In a real way. You can and every anyone can submit their hot takes to us at lavendermenace at gmail lavendermenacepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. We're most active on Twitter and, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's And what follow we have me on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, bye. Anyways, bye.